Welcome to today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light. Sun, Salt, and Light, S-O-N, knowing and growing in your daily relationship with Jesus Christ, but also being the salt and the light in your marriage, in your family, at your place of work, at your church, and even in the community you're in. I'm Pastor Michael Petit. This is a radio ministry of our church, Calvary Chapel Divine, here in Divine, Texas. We are so glad that you joined us for today's broadcast. We are a Calvary Chapel, so we simply teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We believe that God uses His Word to transform, restore, and to change lives one verse at a time. If you're visiting our area, you'd like to get information about our church or church service times, maybe even track down some of the other teachings that we have available through podcasts, whether it's through Audible or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can do all of that at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. If you have your Bibles ready, today we'll be in the book of Genesis, chapter 17, verses 4 through 27. The title of this sermon is, My Covenant is with You. This is the first half of this two-part study. All right, so tonight we're in verse 4. And we are at Abram being 99 years old. We talked about that 13 years of silence, right? We, we go from chapter 16 to 17, and all of a sudden he's 13 years older. But why? Sin. He had sin in his life. He made a huge mistake. Now, you could blame the mistake as listening to his wife, but that wasn't a mistake. He was the leader of the house. He made a huge mistake. He knew God's word, and he didn't follow it. And so he had spent 13 years waiting to hear from the Lord. Now, that 13 years, he didn't know what was going to happen. What kind of mood was God going to be in when he shows up? So the, the wonderful thing is, is we know that God's love is, uh, is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And that's the beauty of those first uh, three verses there in verses 1 through 3, because we see the, the word, uh, I am God Almighty. And, um, and he talks, I will make my covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. So the covenant was never dependent on Abram. It was, it was only um, dependent on God. And I love what happens next is Abram falls to his face and worships God. He falls to his face and worships God. And, and so where we left off now, we're in verse 4. And one of the things you got to catch real quick is, As for me, behold... So whenever you see behold in the Bible, that means listen up, right? You ever have a teacher or somebody say, listen up, pay attention. That's what behold means. So it's like a highlighter in your Bible. And so these, are, these things that he's fixing to say are very important. He says, behold, my covenant is with you. And that's simply what I entitled the, the teaching tonight. My covenant is with you. And you will be a father of a multitude of nations. So God reaffirms the agreement between him and, and Abram. He's going to be giving Abram a new name. And uh, this goes back to Genesis 15, 6. It says, Then he believed in the Lord, and he credited it to him as righteousness. So Abram, is, is this covenant is kept because of Abram's faith. Right? Because of Abram's faith. And it goes back for us as well. We're saved by, by grace through faith. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, 
not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. You know, it's sad that a lot of people think that, that it's all based on works. James thought that. I asked him, I was like, well, what, what's going to happen to you? It's like, dude, your, your toes are on the edge of eternity. You can go home and be with the Lord anytime in the next month. Where are you going? I thank heaven. How many of y'all want to do it on a think? I did it for 39 years, so I understand where James is at. I used to think uh, God's going to pull the scale out, and there's my good, and there's my bad. But then you get to a point in your life where you go, I'm just so bad, I'll never make it. And then you find out that it was never dependent on you. It was by faith through repentance and asking Christ into your heart. And, and so it's important for us to remember that. So when we see that, when Abram, uh, Abram believed in faith and says, As for me, my covenant is with you. And so the promise of Yahweh's covenant is specifically for Abram. And he was going to be the direct uh, beneficiary of the promise. But we are also, those who are God's children, are also part of the benefit of the promise. It still continues today. Still goes on today. And we'll also see him change the names of Abram and, and Sarah. And in Psalm 103, verses 4 and 5, it says, Who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with the favor and compassion, who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like an eagle. Abram's 99 years old. So you can imagine he's thinking, this ain't happening. <laughs> you mean she's getting pregnant. It's coming through Sarah. We're 99. Like it's, we're old. And that's the beauty of this. It's, it's a reminder like God continues to use you in the kingdom of God regardless of your age. You're never done. You're never out of retirement. You may stop being a pastor, but you can still serve in other capacities. I told y'all, y'all can serve in your community. You, you do more through that sometimes. You can reach more people that way than I could ever reach as a pastor. We forget that. It's important. But God's saying, hey, I'm going to keep using you. I'm going to strengthen you. You may feel old. You know you feel old when you get out of bed. Right? You feel it. When the, when, when the rains come and you're, you start making sounds, crackling sounds, and they're like, is that you? That was my knees. <laughs> it's my knees. Isaiah 40, verses 30 and 31. I love this verse. Though youth grows weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength, and they will mount up like with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Do you understand like the beauty of that verse is, is like when we're young, we stumble. We make a lot of mistakes. But he's like, hey, if you, you've learned from that, you, you, you come to me and I will gain. I will give you new strength from following me, from being obedient with me. And I, even though you're getting old. Just like Abram's 99, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. I, I can tell you, it's like it's very important for you to, to grasp that concept is because I, 
three years. Well, it's been three. It'll be three years. And when did we start? March. It'll be three years. This will be the fourth year the church will be going. Um, and before that, I got diagnosed with uh, porphyria, which is what all the Vietnam vets got, which it took 30 years for the VA to figure out that we were, we already knew we were exposed to sarin gas. It is what it is. And so turns out I have what the Vietnam vets have. And I can remember looking at planting the church and stopping in my tracks in fear. Because I'm like, I'm just, they were telling me, like, you, you're not going to live that long. Oh, look at me. How embarrassing is that? Pastor got his thing on. I guess, my bad. <laughs> Lord saying, hurry up. Come on, you got to get through the chapter. Um, but <laughs> what happened is, you, you realize is that at the end of the day, is like, fear can stop you. And, and so... And, and within that fear, if you don't have the awe and the reverence of God, what happens is you have the fear of the world. And they're telling you the doctors love throwing things at the wall. They love it. Donna knows that too because she's, she's had things thrown at the wall. And what I mean by that is they're like, okay, well, you're going to have to have transfusions. And when that happens, you'll be in the hospital for more than three weeks. And, and so... Um, and so what I realized within that is like, it's okay to, you know, God had to get a hold of me and I had to repent because I was in disobedience. I had been called to go do this thing. And you think, well, a pastor can't be in disobedience. Oh, yeah, we can too. Our feet are made of clay. And I had to repent. And it was like, come on, let's go. And this verse was one of the verses I just remember. I'm like, Lord, you're going to give me new strength. You're going to give me wings. And you're going to renew that strength. And, and man, God has been so gracious. I have watched people fall by the wayside with flu and everything else. And I've been so blessed. To, and now that I talked about it, it's going to stop. Every time me and Joe say that, every time it happens, when we talk about it, that's it. <laughs> First five says, no longer shall you be named Abram. So he's going to change his name. And that's not unusual in the Bible. Remember, Saul becomes Paul, right? But your name shall be Abram, or Abraham, for I have made you a father of multitudes, or a multitude of nations. So he went from a father of multitude. Uh, in biblical times also, it, it's very normal for the name change to happen. Sarah is going to have her name change, Sarai, to Sarah. Uh, that will happen as well. Um, and so the beauty of this is, is when Isaac is born, you know, Sarah laughs, and Abram laughs as well. And so what is it, God, and if you don't think God has a sense of humor, Isaac means laughter. You know, that's what it means. So God's like, okay, y'all want to laugh. I'm gonna name, your kid's name's going to be laughter. But we know Isaac, uh, eventually, uh, Isaac was the father of Jacob, and then he became Israel. And so name changes are something that does happen within the Bible. So uh, it... it it's important just to understand that. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 28 through 29, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male or female, nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And, and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abram's descendants, Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. 
So if you belong to Jesus Christ, you're part of this promise. You're a descendant of Abraham. So, should, because this is the million dollar question, why do Christians support Israel? I'm a descendant of Abraham. I'm sorry. Like, let's get real. Right? I mean, there's more than that reason. But, I mean, it's the reality of, of just understanding Scripture. And I, I love what he says. He says, I have made, for I have made you the father of the multitude of nations. God's done it. It's not Abram or Abraham. And, and, and it's, it's something that's continuing to be fulfilled. And then I want you to make sure you catch this in verse 6. Remember, any time that you see something repeated over and over, it's very important that you pay attention to it. Because this is God. He says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings will come from you. So you see, I will make over and over, and that's actually in the future tense. And so he's saying that Abram and, and Sarah could do absolutely nothing apart from God. I'm going to do this. Your, your flesh, and what did they do? She went and grabbed Hagar. That's what your flesh does. What does Abram do? Well, take my servant and make him the descendant. That's what our flesh does. We don't wait on God, and we're going to talk about that this weekend. We're, we're in 1 Peter chapter 1, and we're getting through one verse this weekend. <laughs> and I apologize. It's a very important verse because we have to talk about the foreknowledge and chosen and election. We have to talk about the Trinity, which is in the verse, which is important because people say the Trinity is not in the Bible. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 2. It's there. It's represented. Peter wrote about it. But he talks about sanctification and how important that is. We cannot do anything in our flesh. We need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. When we are, when we are uh, trying to do things in our flesh, it doesn't end well. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 5 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. And so, it, that, it may, uh, so that it may bear more fruit, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, but it must remain in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches, the one who remains in me, and I in him bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. And I love that because he's talking about the intimacy of our relationship with Christ. Apart from me you can do nothing. I, you know, it's, it's important for us to, to understand that when we, when we talk about spiritual growth and, and we, we go from religion to relationship and you hear somebody say, well, I confessed my sins to a priest when I was 19. That was just a man. You have to repent and turn to Christ. It's not going to save you. In verse 7 it says, and here's another, I will. I will establish my covenant between me and you. And your descendants after you throughout their generations as a, and this is very important, you catch this one 
peace here, an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your descendants after you. In Psalm 105, verses 8 through 10, it says, He remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham, and his oath to Isaac, then he confirmed it to Jacob as to the statue to Israel as an everlasting covenant. In verse 8, it says, And I will give to you and to your descendants after you the land where you live as strangers and all the land of Canaan and, and an everlasting possession. And I will bear, I will, I will be their God. So not only do we have the eternal uh, or the everlasting covenant, you also have the everlasting possession, which means that God is the one that owns Jerusalem. And Israel, and owns a lot more, I mean, it, let's just be honest, Israel is a lot more than what is there. The, the, the way that the land has been uh, divided. But, you know, it's, it's to remember that, that Joshua goes in and takes a hold of that promise that was fulfilled. In Joshua 21, verses 43 through 45, it says, So the Lord gave the Israel... All the land which he had sworn to give to their fathers. And they took possession of it and lived in it. And the Lord gave them rest on every side in accordance with everything that he had sworn to their fathers. And none, uh, no one of all their enemies stood before them. The Lord handed all their enemies over to them. Not one of the, uh, not one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. Everything came to pass. I can tell you like every promise... Every prophecy the Lord had made to the house of Israel, right? Those things have not failed. Every prophecy is not going to fail. It's going to happen. So when he says the son is returning, it's going to happen. And if you look at the temperature of the world right now, we're closer to it than we've ever had been. And, and I, you know, I'm not sure how many of y'all listen to prophecy updates or it's very important when you listen to prophecy updates, if they're not biblical, don't listen to them because there's a lot of mess out there. Like they should be going through it with the word of God. But those prophecies are going to be fulfilled. <laughs> Jesus will return. And we know that Joshua did possess it. And in Genesis 15, verses 18 through 21, it says, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your descendants, I have given this land from, from the river of Egypt, as far as the great river, uh, the river of Euphrates, the land of Canaan, uh, Kinsan's site, and Canaanite. Uh, and the Hittite, that one I can get, Parasite, and, and the Raphim and Amaranite, Canite, and the Girgashite, and the Jebusite. It doesn't matter how many times I practice it. I apologize. That's an Alabama education. It's just, I, I graduated in Alabama. I'm sorry. <laughs> we didn't have the best school system. I think they're, number, num they're not number 50 anymore. When I went, we were like number 48 or 47 at the time I went. Now they're, they're in the 20s now, which is actually good. They're, they're doing better. But you see that that's already been fulfilled. And, and, and the rest of it will be fulfilled when Jesus returns. That's in Genesis 48, 4. 
And he said to me, Behold, I will make you fruitful and numerous, and I will make you a multitude of people, peoples, and I will give this land to your descendants after you as an everlasting possession. So, like, it's going to be his. And so we know that, that when the millennial kingdom happens, it'll be in Jerusalem. It is the center of the world. That's why all the chaos happens in the Middle East. Everything's centered around that. It's, it's that reason. It's the battleground. But we forget who owns it. It's God. And so, so the covenant that God promised to Abram for the land is, is today the land of Israel. And it's unconditional. It's unconditional. And, and God will take that land. And the land will be given to Abram unconditionally. And they'll be, they'll be theirs unconditionally, perpetually, forever. But the land, uh, their, the tenure in the land, their occupation of the land was what? Conditional. On whether or not they were going to follow God or not. And that's the sad thing as we see over time they lose it. Repent, lose it, repent, they gain it back. And it's just, a, it's, it's, and, and that's really, sadly, the nation of Israel is a picture of our lives. At times we, we tend to allow things back into our lives and then we have to repent. Verse 9 says, God said further to Abram, Now as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants and after you throughout their generations. So he's saying, as for you, this is the part you have to keep. But you have to carefully and continually walk with me in obedience. That's how the covenant works. You become disobedient, out you go. Verse 10, this is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. And you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin. And it shall be the sign of the covenant between me and you. So we see that they're going to have to be circumcised. And it's part of the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, part of the promise in order for them to do this. It, it has to be done by every male. And, and circumcision in the New Testament for us is circumcision of the heart, right? In Romans chapter 2, verses 28 through 29. For he is not Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is of the heart. But the spirit, not by the letter, and his praise is not by, uh, from people, but from God. So we circumcised at heart because that circumcision became what? It became something that everybody does because it just became religious. It became an activity. It happens in every hospital today. It's, it's part of it. And that's why like for now, for you, your, your heart's been circumcised. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision performed without hands, and the removal of the body of the flesh by circumcision of Christ. And that's what that represents. The flesh represents the, uh, the circumcision that's going to be done. It, it's the flesh that has to be removed. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. But faith working through what? Love. Love. 
And I told y'all before, y'all need to remember that. You cannot love somebody without giving them truth. It's those two things go hand in hand. You have to give them the truth as well. And Galatians 6.15 says, For neither circumcision in, uh, anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And so it's, it's a, for us, it's a, it's a circumcision of the heart. It's no different than baptism. Baptism, you know, I, this is one that people will argue over. And, and, man, there are some churches, like, if you're not baptized in their church, then you're not baptized. Like, you got to go, like, you've been baptized, but then they're like, no, if you don't do it here, you're not part of the church. So at what point did the thief come off the cross? Did Jesus go, hold up, somebody get me a tub and some water. <laughs> got to baptize this dude before he goes to paradise. It's an inward sign and about, uh, of an outward change, and that's what circumcision is as well. The circumcision in the heart is saying that, hey, I am, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm not, you know, feeding the, uh, the flesh of the, uh, you know, it's, it's that thing that Billy Graham used to say, you have two dogs. You, you feed one, you don't feed the other. One's going to get stronger, one gets weaker. If you feed the flesh, your flesh is going to get stronger, and your, your spirit's going to get weaker. If you feed the spirit and not the flesh, the spirit will be stronger. Well, that concludes today's broadcast of Sun, Salt, and Light Radio. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you'd like to submit a prayer request or get in contact with us or find out service times, you can do all of that at our website, uh, as well as get uh, our podcast at Spotify, Audible, TuneIn Radio. Pretty much wherever you can find a podcast, uh, you, you can just type in Sun, Salt, and Light, and you'll find it. 